0: Tree, speed, growth. Um, and that's just life, you know. We, we think that everything, everything sometimes around us moves really rapidly, but our life, and especially our spiritual life, our life in Christ, moves at the speed of trees. Right. So you look at all these beautiful trees around us, did not grow up overnight or in a month or in two years. It was years and years of growth. Um, And that's us as well, too. C.S. Lewis has this quote, and I know you've heard me quote him before on this, too. He has this amazing quote where he says, um, he says, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different? You guys remember hearing me quote that before? Isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything's different? Um, and so here we are, we're at this last tree, we're at the tree of life, what I would call the tree of life 2.0, right? Um, and it all, it all kind of has to come here, it all has to end here, because this all has to be resolved. We saw the collapse of the tree in the original garden, right? So the tree collapses, it falls apart. Um, there's the societal entropy, the d- dis-ease and the disease that has spread throughout our world, the disintegration, the breakdown. But we are at our last tree, and in Revelation, we get this glimpse of something that should take our breath away, right? When we go into this book of Revelation, specifically these last few chapters we'll, we'll look at, um, there is like a stake of hope that is placed in the ground. There is a vision that the, the writer John gives us that should take our breath away, right? It should make us homesick. It should make us long, desperately for more that all the pieces would get put back together that we get this glimpse into the glorious future right so revelation 21 and 22 which we'll study which is john's vision of this new jerusalem this heaven coming down into earth right should do something within us should elicit a response within us that should inspire us and motivate us and change us in a certain way right um Again, C.S. Lewis, uh, sorry for the double C.S., no, I'm not sorry for the, the double C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis has another uh, wonderful, wonderful quote, and I believe I've even used this one before. But Lewis says that if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who precisely thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, to think of the heavenly realm, that they have become so ineffective in this, right? A lot of times we kind of sell Christianity and Christianity just kind of becomes just kind of me and my little spiritual um, growth, just how am I growing? And we don't really take the time to pause and think about the long game, to think about the heavenly realms, to think about the glorious future, to... um, to long for something more than what we have here in this life. So, this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at this tree of life in the book of Revelation. And then, by the way, your daughter, double shoes right now, Dustin. Just, I love it. Yeah, and I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, there's just some things in life, and you just let them have it, and then you just. <laughs> I saw that you know when she was kind of running around earlier. I was like, oh, the, the, you know, the, the opposite shoes, and I was just so happy about that. <laughs> um, so we'll look at the tree of life in the Book of Revelation, and then we're going to pause. And what I want to talk about though at the end of the, this this narrative is, I do want to talk about heaven, and I want to talk about what that looks like for us. Um, maybe, um, actually, I'm calling it the artist formerly known as heaven, because a lot of times when we think about heaven. Um certain thoughts kind of be are elicited. Good morning. Morning, Isan. What are we doing here this morning? Pumpkin cookies? Oatmeal. Oatmeal and raisin? Uh, not raisin uh, cranberry. <laughs> um so I wanna I wanna talk about the the I wanna talk about heaven at the very end. I wanna just kinda have us look a little bit at that. So if you got a Bible, I would say go to Revelation. I'm going to be in 21 and 22 mainly. I'm going to do a couple other references and we'll be jumping around a little bit too. But in Revelation, when you look at the book of Revelation, again, this whole thing from tree to tree, from the tree in the garden to the tree in Revelation, the tree of life, which I'm just going to use this phrase T-O-L for the tree of life. It happens four times in the book of of Revelation. It happens in chapter 2, verse 7. Um, Jesus is kind of speaking, or or in in John's vision, Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus. And when he speaks to this church of Ephesus, he says, to uh, he who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, right? It happens again in then 22.2, which is the one that we're going to look at today. Right? And in 22.2, the, this tree of life is inside the New Jerusalem. It's on this both sides of this river that kind of happened to be flowing through the city. It happens again in 2214. And in this kind of reference, um, John is saying, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they might have the right to the tree of life. Blessed are those who purify themselves, who cleanse themselves, that they might have the right to the tree of life. Um, And then 22.19 um, says, if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, this is in 22.19, "um, if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. So those are it. Those are the kind of four references. There's four total here of this tree of life in the book of Revelation. Um, what I do want to focus, though, is I kind of want to be in here. Revelation twenty-two, a little bit of twenty-two and twenty-one, is what I want to focus in on, and um, I want to look at this tree of life that happens in this in this city, this New Jerusalem. So, if you again, if you got a Bible, I would just go, or if you're in your app, just go back to t- Revelation twenty-one, right? Revelation twenty-one. In Revelation 21, as John has this vision, right, um, God is leading or an angel is leading John through this vision of this new Jerusalem, of, of kind of what the end of the world or the end of, or the, or the renewal of all things, maybe the end of the world, the renewal of all things, the beginning of all things, and um, there's a lot of things that are happening there. Um, he has this vision in 21 and 22, and in chapter 21, right, um, John is given a view, what I would say is outside of this city, okay? Um, so in twenty-one 21.1, um, John says this, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I see the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed, for her husband. So 21 is talking about this new Jerusalem and it's a view of everything kind of outside of the city. Okay. And John gets a view of this outside of the city. Imagine if you were to take a helicopter and you were to fly up over and above and see garden grove or see los angeles or see a great city whatever you might be right or if you're flying over a city and you kind of have this bird's eye view is what john is seeing in revelation 21 right he sees how beautiful the city is he sees the gates he sees the jewels on the gates the walls the measurements the foundation he sees that the gates are never closed right one of the interesting pieces that John mentions in this vision, and again, this vision isn't necessarily a blueprint for exactly how it's going to be. It's more of a vision of, 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 or a glimpse into what things um, might be, right? Or not, it's not this, hey, this is exactly how God is going to draw it out, but it's giving us glimpses into what he sees. One of the things that John sees as he's seeing this outside of the city is he sees measurements, right? And he has this measurement. And this was kind of something new for me. I hadn't, I hadn't studied this before. But this is in uh, verse 15, 2115, where he says that the measurement of the city is about 1200 stadia. Right? Anybody seeing that? Length, width, and height. Now, 1200 stadia. How many feet, inches, miles? kilometers anybody want to guess what that is? I didn't know either. How many There's a There is a button <laughs> right so like 14 1500 miles right so let me let me just impress you guys a little bit artistically. a minus b plus It's discernible, right? Okay. So, let's just let's just play with this 1200 that's 1400 miles. You start here. Where is this? Tijuana or San Diego, whatever. You drive all the way up here, right? So you drive your car all the way up here. Calexico. <laughs> um, this is about 1400 miles, right? Then you drive, this might be a little bit, I might have to bring this over, um, then you drive maybe kind of more this way, right? drive all the way down to Dallas, I heard they have a pretty good football team there, not last week though Ronnie, and then you drive all the way back over. So that's about what John sees as the length of this, like this is a city right so this is about what he sees as far as the length so length width but then if we were to really add some dimension here right john says that not only is it 1400 miles by 1400 miles by 1400 miles but then the height of that city is also 1400 miles right So what John sees in this picture in Revelation 21 is he sees something that is, I would say, maybe even just beyond comprehension, right? Um, Mount Everest is about 30,000 feet high, just for reference. Um, One mile equals about 3,600 feet. So Mount Everest would be eight-ish miles high. Did I do that math correctly? Somewhere? Huh? Is it 5,200 per mile? 5,280, so then Mount Everest would be about six miles high. So if you're talking 1,500 miles high, right? Again, this city is just beyond comprehension. It's huge. It's massive. And again, John talks about these gates that are on each side, right? There's all these gates that are happening. I don't even know which. I'm getting all confused myself here. Um, and again, they're... they're, they're, they're left open. Why would they be left open? There's nothing outside. There's nothing outside that they need to protect against, right? Everything inside the city is completely secure. So you have in Revelation 21, again, John spends a lot of Revelation, not just kind of describing the outside of the city, the beauty, the grandeur, the splendor, um, the size, the magnitude of this new Jerusalem that is descending to earth, right? Now, Revelation 22 then, and I'm so sad that I'm going to have to erase the city. You guys got that in your minds? Revelation 22 then is going to take us inside of the city. So let's do this. Let's read just these first couple verses in Revelation 22. Um, Just these first few verses. I think I'm going to read the first six. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me. So again, the angel is leading maybe inside the, the, the city. The angel showed me the river of water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and the servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angels, his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place, right? So Revelation 22 takes us a little bit inside the building, especially at the the, the beginning part here. And again, if we had the, the map and the city, we see that down the middle of the city is a river, right? There's this river that kind of flows down the middle of the city. And this river is connected to the throne of God right the the life source for all of humanity right without water everything dies right the life source for all of humanity flows from it derives itself as the source from god and again i think when you what i want to do with this water series too is just so important because of again right here in revelation There's this water source. The final picture is this water source uh, flowing, deriving itself from the very presence of God. So you have this river. And then on each side, you're going to have these trees. This is, this, you guys, all my artistic skill just diminished. You have all these trees on each side of the, of the, um, of the city. And one of the things that you, we learn about these trees, right, is that they are, they're distributing food, right? They're distributing fruit. And we have that they're distributing this fruit. And here's what's interesting about this. Think about this in, in the New Jerusalem, in, in the New Heaven, that we get to eat. We don't have to eat, Right? Think about that dynamic for a second, that we get to eat. We don't have to eat. So often with, with food, is it's, it's this constant hunger that drives us, right? But now in the New Jerusalem, in the restoration of all things, maybe food, instead of something that has to sustain us, it's something that we are allowed to do, and yet we are sustained from the very life and the source of God himself, right? Food kind of takes this different role in this new Jerusalem. We also read here in, in 22, um, verse 2, the middle of the street on each side of the river, there was this, it's bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And 12 is, a, is just kind of a number for governance, right? It, it, whenever you would see 12, think about the 12 tribes, right? The 12 tribes were the ones who governed Israel. Think about the, the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, right? his kind of 12 apostles with authority to kind of go out and, and govern the church. Um, it, is this, it is this number for gov- governance, which I'm going to come back to in a little bit. Um, and it says that these leaves are for the healing of nations. The word here, um, I'll write it out for you. And then I'll let you guess if you can under- think what it's for. Want to make sure I spell it right? Therapian. Anybody want to guess where what word kind of comes from that? Thera huh? Therapy, therapy right? We we get our word therapy from that word. Um, and one of the commentators says that a closer interpretation. When we think about therapy, we think something's wrong with us, and then we go to get therapy to get fixed. Right? Or, or we, we therapeutic might be another phrase where again something's wrong we go get use that to get fix ourselves. This commentator said this. I thought this was an interesting um, way to look at this word. He says that the leaves of the tree promote the enjoyment of life in the New Jerusalem and are not for correcting ills which do not exist. Right. So these leaves are almost. He calls them health-giving, right? Something that you would take that would help uh, enhance your health, not cure ills that you currently have. So you get this picture in the new Jerusalem, inside the New Jerusalem, of this tree, this this river, um, the throne of God, things kind of all these things happening. Um, the, the fruit, um, and it's just a, a beautiful image of the inside of the city. Let me. Um, close this, this little passage here and I want to read this quote from N.T. Wright. This is one of my favorite quotes and I think I've told you guys how much I, I love N.T. and his book Surprised by Hope. N.T. says this, he says the majestic but mysterious ending of the revelation of John leaves us with fascinating and perhaps frustrating hints of future purposes further work of which the eventual new creation is just the beginning. Hang on, there's more. The description of the New Jerusalem in chapters 21 and 22 is quite clear that some categories of people are outside of the city, right? They're outside. The dogs, the fornicators, those who speak and make lies. But just then, when we have in our minds a picture of two nice, tidy categories, the insiders and the outsiders, we find that the river of the water of life flows outside of of the city, and that growing on either bank is a tree, is the tree of life, not a single tree, but a great many, and that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is what I really liked about this quote right here. NT says this, there is a great mystery here, and all our speaking about God's eventual future must make room for it. That is, not to say, or that is not to cast all doubt on the reality of final judgment for those who have resolutely worshipped and served the idols that dehumanize us and deface God's world. He closes by saying this. It is to say that God is always the God of surprises. I might have to copy and paste and send that to you guys at some point. But I like that, that part here where N.T. Wright says that there is a great mystery here as we even study this, right? And that we end up by saying that, God, you are always the God of surprises. I want to close by just having three thoughts about, um, again, what I've kind of been calling, and I'm okay to erase all this, the artist formerly known as heaven. And here's why I say that. A lot of times I think when um, we kind of picture heaven, it... It, it can kind of be generic, and, and honestly, sometimes I would imagine if you were to close your eyes and think about heaven, you might be a little bit bored, right? We have these descriptions of clouds and harps and fuzzy angels, and they're singing opera hymns, which you don't really even like that music. St. Peter is some sort of a bouncer at the gate. Right. And he's only letting in the good people and the bad people they don't get. Right. And I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of the pop imagery that when people think about heaven. Right. Like how exciting is that? <laughs> um, and so we, I, I want to talk about heaven. But again, as, as N.T. at it, the, the mystery and the surprise and, and the fascinating um, further work, the new creation. Um, and so I want to think about that for a second. Um, as we kind of close by a couple thoughts on heaven, and I won 't put the artist formerly known as heaven, but i want to think I want us to think about heaven for a second i've been reading these novels, and my wife's kind of been I, i've just been reading a lot like that just anyway there's these set of novels that i've been really fascinated actually rereading, and one of the quotes that really struck me as I was rereading these novels is. Um, the author says this, his name's Pierce Brown. He says, he says, I often imagine what humans could do if there is no scarcity, nothing to fight over, just an unending expanse to explore and name and fill with life and art. Can I read that to you one more time? He says, I often imagine what humans could do if there was no scarcity, nothing to fight over just an unending expanse to explore and name and fill with life and art. And I would add to that and beauty and love and flourishing and worship, right? Think about what we could do as a society if scarcity was out of the equation, right? Think about the steps that we could take if we weren't fighting over everything all the time. Think about what it would be like to have an unending expanse to explore and name and fill with life and art. First off, that should just give you a tiny glimpse into what I think heaven will be like. An unending expanse to explore and name and fill with life and art and beauty and love and flourishing and creativity and goodness. I think that that's a beautiful image. There's not going to be any scarcity, nothing to fight over, nobody having these right it's just it's just an unending expanse so in heaven i want to say the first thing is and i'm going to use this i hope this isn't um i'm going to try a little pop culture reference and i hope it's not too cheesy brian you got to tell me the truth at the end of the sermon just on the side okay have we heard of this phrase Have we heard of this? Tired versus Wired. So I'm going for the obscure pop reference. I guess. No, I never heard of this phrase. There, yeah, right. There was a. Um, I think there was a. I think the origination of this was from a um, a magazine called Wired Magazine. Everybody heard of Wired Magazine. It's like a technology culture, right? And they had this column, which they would say things that are tired, things that are old, outdated irrelevant and things that are wired kind of things that are hip new exciting right so they had this column and it was just kind of it's it's basically hot or not or you know whatever but they had this phrase called tired careful rob tired versus wired so okay so i'm going to give this a run since you guys have never seen tired versus wired we'll give this a run um so when we talk about heaven i I would say that the tired the tired way to think about it tired i'm going to put go and the wired I'm gonna put here is is come, or maybe I I'm gonna put go to, maybe that would be a better to us. So when we think about heaven, oftentimes, and again, if you were to probably pull that average person on the street, it's a place you go to, right? It, it, it's it's when you die, you're gonna you're gonna float somewhere up there into the clouds. Um, Honestly, the world's gonna burn anyway, which in California it kind of is at the moment, right? The world's gonna burn, drive your SUV, who cares how anything happens here, take advantage. Cause you look, you and I, we're all escaping to the bliss in the sky, right? And a lot of times when we think about heaven, that's what we think to. it's a place that we go to. In John's vision, again, if you go back to Revelation 21, John sees that new Jerusalem descending from the sky and the healing happening here, right? It comes to us. I know I've done a sermon on this years ago, but First Thessalonians 4.17 is another real helpful text for um, for this concept. In First Thessalonians 4.17, Paul's writing, right, if you want to turn there too, Paul's writing and he talks about people being, it's the Bible says, they're caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the clouds, right? Does somebody have that, Jolene? Are you looking at that? Yeah, I'm getting right. Yes. Probably. Yeah, go ahead, read that. Um after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore encourage one another with these words. Right. So there it is right there. Hey, you and I. The end of time. We're going up into the clouds. That's how you know when Jesus is coming back. So if there's not clouds, don't worry about it. So he's not coming back today. But when there's clouds, that's, that, was, that was an old joke. <laughs> but this is how we look. So we think of like, oh yeah, we're going up to the clouds. And again, then you just kind of roll in the harps and the fuzziness and all that gates and all that stuff, right? The image that Paul is using here, which would have been a common image that um, they would have used in the first century is that you, if you lived in a certain village and an important person was coming to your village, you would actually leave your village and you would go meet that person along the road to then welcome them back into your village, right? Even at our house, if somebody important, when my, somebody important, when my parents come over, right? Or somebody important comes over, my children will rush out of the house to go meet them at the car or on the street or on the driveway or wherever. Why? Not so they can just play on the street or the driveway, but that they might welcome them back into their house, right? When we see in the scripture as heaven as a place that we go to, right? As we escape to, as we get out of here. This, I just think, again, this is just the tired the tired image. I think if anything, you know, if you want to use that go-to image, yeah, we might go somewhere. But it's then to welcome the presence and the goodness back to us, right? So heaven then comes to us. The next one. I would say that the tired version is heaven as retirement. Heaven as a retirement village, right? Heaven as a retirement community. And I would say maybe that this kind of more uh, wired look is, I call it restful Um, ruling or activity, right? Restful, ruling, or activity. Sometimes people think about heaven and they just kind of think like, yeah, it's just going to be a big retirement community. And we're just going to kind of sit around and, I don't know, maybe we'll play some shuffle boards or cards or play some instruments, right? Um, Maybe the, the image that kind of predominantly gets associated with heaven is, is especially in the Bible, is the Sabbath, right? In the Jewish mindset, if on the Sabbath, which starts Friday night, what do you begin the Sabbath by doing? Eating together, having a meal, right? And then on Saturday, you might go for a walk. You might do some reading. You might play. There might be music or worship that happens. You might take a nap. You might recite scripture. There's activities that you engage in but they're restful and life-giving, right? These activities that bring your soul rest. Again, we talked about um, the ruling that will happen, right? The ruling that we see um, with... with um, Oh, no. That's awesome. My iPad just died. <laughs> the ruling... We're going to have to just go on, on the last one. The ruling that will happen, right? We'll see all this ruling that will happen... Um, with within, within the scriptures, uh, this restful activity. We don't just go up into heaven and it's just this retirement village. I think that there's reigning. Dallas Willard would say that we're in training for reigning, right? You and I right now are in training for reigning, for ruling in heaven, for these activities that are exciting and life-giving and exploring this endless expanse. And then the last one, I would say that the tired version is that heaven is the place. And I would say that the wired version is heaven as a person. Right? So again, we often think about heaven as a place. And sometimes we get excited about the place. And I'm, I'm really excited about the place as well. And we share some of those verses, verses about the majesty of the city. And about the, um, the jewels and the size and the gates and all this sort of thing. The rivers and the trees, right? but it's interesting and I had all these references that we were going to read together which I no longer have access to it's interesting that in, in, the, in the scriptures I would say that you see heaven as more of a person right and I know the one that we'll end with right here the one that we're going to end with is Revelation 22 uh, Revelation 22:4, 4 right that they will see his face that they will see his face, right? If we think that when we when we encounter heaven, when we are when heaven comes crashing to earth, if we think that we're just going to be obsessed with maybe the gold the gold streets or the pearly gates or whatever kind of other image you have there, um, I, I was using this image in my head. Imagine the night that you got the the night of your wedding, right? And you, had, you, just, you just got married and you're going to the hotel or you're going to, um, where else? Maybe your house or whatever you have lined up for that night of your wedding for the consummation moment, right? Um, which, you know, which is, which is like what brings the marriage kind of. And you get to this hotel room and you sit there and you spend the whole night analyzing the baseboards. Discussing the shade of white on the ceiling playing with the sheets and feeling and trying to guess the thread count, right? When you get to the hotel or when you get to your house or whatever that night of your wedding, the moment of that wedding, what you are experiencing and what you want to have there is that moment with your with your spouse, right? Not all the other accoutrements that happen to be around. Revelation 22, 4. Then they will see... His face. Nowhere in the scripture is anybody allowed to see God's face. And here we are in this city and we're staring in the face of God. And that's the end, right? That is the end. Heaven isn't necessarily this place, although this place will be beautiful. I did not want to take my wife on the night that we got married, I did not want to take her to Motel 6 to some dingy low level place. I wanted to take her to a very nice place that we would remember for a long time. So the place is important, but it's all about the person. It's all about the presence of God. It's all about seeing Jesus, right? So the artist formerly known as heaven, this place that you go to, this retirement village, you know, it's it's all about this. What we see is this new Jerusalem coming to us. It's restful and ruling activity And we are in this person and this presence of God. And I think that should about do it this morning. And maybe I've missed a few things, but I would not know because my notes are are currently gone. Uh, Let me say a word of prayer. And then I think we'll wrap it up. Lord, fascinate us with heaven once again. So often we just get so myopic in in our own world, and our own problems and issues. Turn our eyes towards heaven. The new Jerusalem, the city, the person, the place. Lord, we need you. We want to see you once again. We want to be there at the tree of life, the river. Thank you, Lord. Be with my brothers and sisters this morning. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Julia, got anything you want to say? Mm-hmm. the base and the pillows. We're like looking for I'm looking for Julia, I'm looking for my dad I'm looking for Alice. I'm looking for Eric and Robin. Right, right. And, and and that just like really spoke to my heart about the place that it's Yeah, you know, now that I can have I have my notes on my phone as well too Let's just look at these verses real quick. I think that these are really important. Could somebody look up 2 Corinthians 5, 8? Could somebody look up Philippians 1, 23 and 24? Um, and then I'll we'll kind of reread Thessalonians 4, 17. And then again, as that verse, that last verse that we just read, Revelation 22, 4. Who's got Second Corinthians? five eight. Someone wanna read that. I think that these are just really this was really important for me to think about too.